Hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Penn State Prehealth Podcast. This week, we're talking about the two major situational judgment tests that you might come across as a pre-health student in this coming cycle. As other tests hopefully don't appear, but maybe do appear in the future, we'll update this as that happens. But for now, there's two main tests, and we're going to be chatting about them, breaking them apart this week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast, the show to help all pre-health students on their journeys to acceptance. I am this week's host, John Moses Bronson, and I am so happy to be joined by my colleague, Kimberly Johnson. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Sean. How was your Memorial Day weekend? It was pretty good. I got to go back to my hometown, which... It's not common. Don't go to very often. Yeah. Yeah. John and I... My husband, we went away for the weekend. That was quite nice. It's been very needed in the house. <laughs> some, some getawayage it's is always thrilling nice. to leave town, even if it's just for a couple of days. Feels nice. Yes, I have definitely come back and felt more refreshed, even with this week being absolutely mm. wild workwise. <laughs> uh, you know, my my polish sort of uh, lost its luster, but uh, yeah, at least I hit the ground running when I got back. <laughs> had no choice, right? No. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out our podcast schedule for this incredibly hectic week, right? Yep. And we knew we were going to do something today. We hadn't really discussed what, and we got our times mixed up in the middle of the night. I thought, hey, John just recently recorded Mm -hmm. um, a presentation on Casper and Preview. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just hit the podcast ground running and do a quick overview of that. Yeah. So let's start off by giving you like a 20,000 foot view of what these tests are designed to do. They're supposed to give admissions officers insights into the ways in in which you make decisions. Now, having said that, I... I admittedly think that some of this is a bit flawed because schools aren't seeing the ways in which you're making decisions, specifically with Casper, right? The schools will see what the questions were for preview and how they were supposed to be answered, and then they can kind of look at your score and maybe make some inferences about where you might have been doing better or worse. But with Casper, like, they're not getting the insights into your individual responses. So that's just one thing to take this whole process with a grain of salt is that a lot of the nuance of your responses is getting lost before it hits the schools. So yes, are they important? Sure, absolutely. Schools are going to be using this in their admissions process. We're gonna break apart what that might look like at different schools, but you should not see these tests as a reflection of you as a person. If you don't score well, you are not a narcissist or a sociopath. That's not what these tests are designed to assess. So just don't let that be your takeaway 
from these tests. <laughs> and it's not the only way for them to assess these skills yes. in you. So they have your work and activities mm -hmm. and the reflections that you've made on mm -hmm. the things that you've been involved in. And there is certainly something to be gained about your mm -hmm. professional demeanor, um, responses, mm -hmm. empathy, etc. Yeah. just from seeing what your work experience has been. And yeah. folks, I use I use the word work. Work is work. It can be paid. It can also be unpaid. So yeah. volunteering is still work. Yeah. It's just of the volunteer variety. So don't get worked up if you haven't been paid for something yeah. necessarily. And, you know, if you have really well written letters of recommendation, that is also coming into play here. So this should not be as stressful as the MCAT or the DAT no. or if you have to for PA school, the GRE, like, or the OAT or whatever you're taking. This is something that you should take seriously, but it's not something that you should lose sleep over. Absolutely. We're going to help demystify a lot of these things so that you understand what you're getting into and you understand the differences. So Casper itself, we're going to start sort of start with Casper. Casper itself is actually part of a suite of tests and it's part of the Alta suite. And Casper specifically focuses on behavioral choices and your rationale for making those choices. So they place you into a circumstance and they ask you to respond to it. It does it in two different ways. There are written responses and there are also video recorded responses. And so that's what they use to assess you. Now there is certainly some things that you can do to make this easier. One take their sample test. It's not graded. They don't give you a lot of feedback on how you've responded and how that might be graded, but familiarizing yourself with the process and the types of questions and how you're going to be expected to respond is super helpful. Um, the other thing about Casper is that it is, um, they're trying to understand your decision-making and your point of view. Do not hesitate about really leaning into how you would really respond in a situation. You do not want to try and mimic a response that you think you should be having because you often can't justify it in the same way that you would justify your real response to a situation. There is no right one right answer in this. It is, can you make a decision with limited information and be able to justify why you've made that decision? Oftentimes, I encourage students to use um, a ethical decision-making tool. Uh, I use Spade. Do you use something else when you're working with students, I was I was going to bring that up. You've started using Spade this year, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I have not pivoted over to Spade yet, mm -hmm. but don't ask me on the spot what I use. <laughs> It's, it's a it's a different acronym. It's the other acronym. Yeah, it's like SRJTT or something. It's no, something. it's not that one. I don't know. <laughs> basically, what there are options out there. It's basically like a five step process for responding to these questions. Here's why that's important. You have a time limit in Casper. You don't have like ten minutes to think about how you want to respond. These are snap decisions that they're asking you to make about ethical decisions, right? And so that's not always easy. And so by using these sort of like tools and systems, you can get yourself to start writing right away. 
and you get once you get yourself into the process of writing, you can kind of continue on through. Because in both of our sort of like systems that we use, the first thing that you do is just reiterate what you think the problem is. And then you talk about, well, who are other people involved? What are the different choices I could make? What would I actually do? And why would I choose that one? That's basically what you're doing here. It's also very similar to star method often. So there is a lot of approaches to this. Having an approach will help you get the ball rolling and start jumping in right away. It will help reduce a lot of anxiety because you kind of have a process to move through. And honestly, that process is actually something that you're pretty familiar with because yeah. you probably use this on a daily basis. Yeah. You just haven't sort of stepped outside of your daily activities to think mm -hmm. about how you use that. Yeah. I know as an advisor, I do that all the time, right? I, mm -hmm. I want to sort of define what scenario it is that my student is about to be Mm -hmm. um, crossing paths with, so whatever mm -hmm. the next thing is, then I want to give them a little bit of background information about it. I want to outline some of the concerns or uh, challenges that might come with that. Mm -hmm. I might want to go down how they particularly might excel in this situation based off their past experience. And then we sort of recap and talk through all of that so that they have a very well-rounded understanding of this next stage of their preparation. Yeah. Not all that different. No. In a lot of my work, I, I encourage students to think of it in the same way they think of sort of their lab approaches, right? You always do things with claim, evidence, reasoning, but this is like more like decision evidence reasoning. Mm -hmm. You've made a decision. What's the evidence for why you made that choice? Why does that make sense, right? We train our STEM students to do this in a ton of your science classes. It's part of the scientific method, right? You can utilize that same approach here and it makes sense. Always think about if you had a colleague who had to unexpectedly jump in for you mm -hmm. and you had to sort of debrief them quite quickly, mm -hmm. what would those quick points be that you would want to leave them with mm. and a quick overview of your thinking so that they could follow that process through to the end even if you had to step out? Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like change and shift with nurses, right? Yeah. Um, why in the world? I can't remember what that's called. Is it not just called shift change? It is shift change, but that actual uh, changing of hands mm -hmm. or responsibility of the patient itself mm -hmm. um, has a name. Oh. I'll be honest and say I don't know what Not it is. Not enough coffee yet. If it comes back to you, we'll I interject. I will say yes. Yeah. So that's one of the big three pieces of Altus, and it's the most commonly required. The other two components of the Altus suite are much less commonly required, but we're going to cover them in a little bit of detail right now, just so you know what they are. And we usually recommend that you just do all three yes. while you're there. Now, the big thing here is you only have access to the three of them for so long. So it's not something that's like, okay, I'm going to take just Casper, then I'll study and take preview, and then I'll come back to the other two later. You kind of just want to get them all done because if forgetting about them you can't reopen it up they can't give you access to it later and if you find out too late in the game that one of your schools requires one of the other pieces you can't go back in time and fix that you just won't be able to continue on in that school's process and that would be devastating so the second most commonly used um, sort of tool or resource in the Altus suite is duet 
Um, a good example of a school in the state that uses it is Temple. And the duet test it has a different structure. It is untimed, which, yay, less stress. <laughs> this one, there again, there's no right or wrong answers here. They're asking you to choose between two different things. It might be rural care versus a more diverse patient population. And you would have to select between the two of them which is more important to you as someone who wants to go and be trained as a healthcare professional. What would be more important to you? The schools also fill these out and you don't have to be 100% aligned. You don't have to do 100% of the same choices as a school. You just want to be honest about where your head's at because you don't have, no one is a perfect fit for anywhere, 100%. Everyone's just a little bit more or less aligned with different schools. We obviously help you try and read that nuance, but um, what's nice here, in particular they updated for this year, is that Duet has a, a relative preference scale now. It used to be you had to do 100% this or 100% that. And now it's, I am 100% this, 100% that, but you also have two more options of more this than that or more that than this. It feels like an eye exam. Yes, yes. So what's nice is that it used to feel like, well, if I pick this, it makes it sound like I don't care about this other thing at all. And it's now like I do care more about this than that, but the other thing is still important to me. So it's... I'm excited. I think it is going to be a better, easier tool to be used this year. Um, but again, untimed. Take your time. Think about it. If there's words or phrases that you're unfamiliar with, stop and Google them. Do not make assumptions about what you think things mean because you might be making choices that are counter to your actual passions, interests, and, and, and things that you want to prioritize. Again, this is untimed. Take your time. This is not the test to rush through. The third one is the least commonly used. I can't really think of too many schools at all that use Snapshot. Um, it's pretty, pretty minimal from my perspective. Snapshot essentially is, uh, if you've ever used interview prep through career services here at Penn State, it's pretty similar to that. They show you a question on the screen. They give you a certain amount of time to think about it and then they record your response, right? So it's gonna be pretty similar to those recorded uh, sections in Casper, except these aren't situational judgments. These aren't ethical situations. It's more, why do you wanna be a physician? Those big common questions that everybody's going to get asked. And because of that, you want to prepare prior to snapshot for those big common questions. Because those are the ones that are realistically gonna be asked here. They're not really throwing you any curveballs. They're not going to ask those impossible questions that Google throws out at their interviews. It's like a pre-interview interview. Exactly. It, it probably aligns fairly well with some of the questions that you might expect to get in a comprehensive interview with yeah. one of our team members. Yeah. I, I'm not doing anything like too, too wild in a comprehensive interview in terms of questions. Unless I know that a student has a really particular preference, I'm going to try and pull questions I know get asked at a particular school. Other than that, I want you to be prepared for like the most common stuff because it sets the framework for everything else. That's what they're getting at here. They want to understand your framework 
and how you express that verbally. Because with written materials, someone else, nobody should be doing this, but realistically, you could pay someone to write your application for you, and it could be written extremely well. You can't pay somebody to talk for you. You could, but it would be a bad idea because it would be recorded, and then you show up and you look nothing like that recording. <laughs> I don't think that would be too good. Probably not worth the effort to no. pull someone on that front. <laughs> no. Plus, again, if you show up and you're completely different than that person there, I mean, I'm just thinking about the elaborate stunt that someone could pull uh, a la some artificial intelligence movie yeah. scene. Yeah, yes, like not a worth live it. filter. Not worth it. <laughs> no. You would have to know a lot about how this system works to be able to do that. <laughs> and I don't know about all that. But I think that, you know, the reason we don't see snap snapshot being used all that often is because it is kind of the foundation or core of an interview mm-hmm. without sort of the personality added in. Yeah. So they might as well just take the time if they're interested in you and think you're a good fit to invite you in and actually come talk to them and have a real human conversation. Yeah. Cut I, out that middle step. Yeah. I think, like I said, it's a pretty minimally used tool. Mm-hmm. You should still do it even if you know none of your schools require it because it's good practice. It's great practice. You know, utilize every opportunity to work through your response to those questions because you want to have good responses. But not just work through your response to those questions. Work through your response to those questions out loud. Mm -hmm. That's the key is that so often we're practicing in our heads Mm -hmm. and we really have to practice it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've covered the Alta Suite of Casper Duet Snapshot. Let's transition to preview. In its first year, it was called the AAMC uh, SJT. It's still that in my head. I know. Oh, and it, <laughs> Stop changing things I, on me every like, nine months. Well, the thing about <laughs> Casper in particular is that it changes every year. They, they change how they deliver it. It looks different. What's difficult about preview, it's exactly the same as it was the first year it came out. It's had zero changes. And in talking with someone from the AAMC, the reason that is, is that because their predictive validity, because they studied this for like six or seven years before like releasing it, they feel really confident in the test's predictive validity. And so they're like, we're not going to change it because we're confident in how this is being delivered and what it's assessing and that we're confident that it does it reliably, which is great. Um, so... The structure of preview is quite different. It's not open responses. You are given a situation, and then you are provided five different like approaches or choices that you can make, five different responses that you could have, and then you just grade it on a, an effectiveness scale. How effective would each of these choices be in resolving the issue? What's interesting here is that this is more of a professional readiness test than a situational judgment because with Casper those decisions are not being made by people in healthcare it's more general whereas with preview it is really healthcare provider specific I will also say that with preview it's predominantly allopathic medical schools there's one osteopathic school that's using it 
and that's really all we're seeing it used for. So if you're on a dental track or, you know, physician assistant track or podiatry or optometry, optometry track, you're not necessarily going to see this. So this is more of a med school specific conversation for this particular one. Can I hop in with yeah. some med school perspective? Now, of course, I wasn't in the room when the AAMC was developing this. But while they were developing it, I was working in a medical school mm-hmm. and saw the increased need and requests yeah. from residency programs for medical schools to create some sort of bridge to residency. Mm-hmm. So some sort of thread in their curriculum that would help students prepare in a more practical way mm-hmm. to jump right into their residency after graduation. Yeah. And slowly but surely we started to consider what that would look like for other phases of their mm-hmm. professional preparation. So their first day in their clinical year. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of preview, I think of this as that additional layer of ensuring that when you get there on the first day, you are ready to hop in and be a equal player with all of your student colleagues. Yeah. That when clinicals roll around, you do feel confident mm-hmm. to walk into that room and make a connection with your patient. That when you graduate and you're moving on to residency, that you can be relied on to mm-hmm. make um, professional, reliable, mature calls mm-hmm. that your other physician colleagues are making in the same setting. Yeah. So. I, I like the approach to this test. Um, I wish it were free, but I don't get to choose the cost of things. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I'll say about preview before we get started is there's a lot more transparency in how it's being graded. There's a full-length test that's available for free on the AAMC's website and you can take that practice test and then the answer key doesn't just give you the answers, it gives you rationales for why each answer is the best possible answer. So it's giving you insight into the types of decision making that's happening, the thought process that's going on, so you can learn from that. Because most of what this test is trying to ascertain is, again, are you making decisions? Is your thought process similar to that of these acting professionals? If you haven't worked in a healthcare environment as much as other people, you might feel like that disadvantages you. But if you, this is a test that I feel like you actually can prepare a little bit for. I think so. Not You can't cram for it because these are conceptual ideas. You're wrestling with why they're making the decision in which they're doing them. This is a lot more of like studying for like a philosophy test almost. Right. It's They want to see if you have the foundation of how to think. Mm-hmm because just like these different tools that we've referenced before, Mm -hmm. you're going to be faced with such a variety of scenarios where you have to be the decision maker, you have to be the leader in the room. Mm -hmm. They wanna know that that central core Mm -hmm. element of thinking through a problem and then determining what the best decision is based off of that is already there. They'll take that and run with it and teach you all (laughs) the stuff you need to know, but they want to know that that sort of central philosophy, like you said, is there. The other thing is that uh, Preview is transparent about like the eight things that they're measuring. 
and they give you information about what those eight competencies are and how they define them. So as you're responding to questions, if you can think through those eight and you're like, oh, this is a question on this type of competency, it helps you to narrow your focus on perhaps what are the important things that I need to be considering within this particular domain. And these are likely things that if you've been really conscientious about your preparation for medical school mm-hmm. over the past several years, they're going to be things that you do understand to a certain degree yeah. that you have encountered or mm-hmm. worked through. Yeah. Having those practical real life experiences are so valuable in the process outside of this it really manifests pretty strongly in the preview test. For and sure. this is why preparing for for medical school or any other health profession, but I'm saying medical here because we know preview is used primarily by allopathic schools. Um, this is why we steer people away from that checklist mentality mm-hmm. and steer them towards the core competencies and thinking a little more holistically and longitudinally about mm-hmm. their preparation yeah. because that is essentially building up that core that you need to guide yeah. your decision making in the future. Yeah. So as we sort of like wrap this topic up, I think there's a a, a few big things I want to leave you with in terms of advice. One, you cannot study for these tests, but you can be prepared. What that preparation looks like is going to be different based on the tests. In talking with one of the top people at Altus Suites, who is the head of Casper, doing their practice test and familiarizing yourself with the technology is the best possible thing that you can do. They have also said that to pay for some of these uh, Casper prep services. We will not be saying their names, but I'm sure you've seen their YouTube ads. There is a neutral or negative correlation with final scores. That is coming from the people who run the test and provide the grades. I'm not telling you that it doesn't work for some people, but on average, it is a neutral or negative association with final score. So you don't need to be spending hundreds and hundreds up to thousands of dollars to prepare for this. Do your due diligence, understand the system. For preview, take that full length test, for sure. Familiarize yourself with the types of things that they're looking for and the ways in which those decisions have been made. Interpret that through the answer key. The other thing is that in preview, you can set up a tutorial account and actually use the technology physically. How is this set up? How do I click things? How do I move through the test? Make sure you set up a tutorial account and go through that. Familiarizing yourself with the structure of something will make it so much easier on the actual time when you're taking the test. Um, For Casper and Duet and Snapshot, you have to redo those every year. You cannot reuse them. With Preview, if you're happy with your score, you can reuse it year after year. It's static, which is lovely. Um, Know what your approach is going to be. There's an infinite number of good approaches. You need to find the one that's best for you. If you naturally think in star method, great, gravitate to that. If you like spade, great. If you find some other system that you're like, this just works with my brain and how I approach ethical decisions, great. If you want to do something more scaled back, like claim evidence reasoning, that's fine too. You have to figure out what works for you and how you can best articulate your point of view for Casper. 
because your communication skills, your written and your oral communication skills to be able to support and justify your responses is 100% the most important part of that. Do you have any other pieces of advice that perhaps I may have over, <laughs> gone over, not gone over? Well, I think probably the biggest question that I get is when should I take this? Mm, timing. Timing. Huge. And for the most part, People are planning to take MCAT by like the first week of June and they know that their application is in the verification process. Mm -hmm. So after that first week of June, their schedule opens up a little bit mm -hmm. and I always say, go sleep, mm -hmm. go see your friends and then give yourself a couple days to sit down and think through how you want to approach these tests, yeah. look at the actual um, prep materials that these organizations are putting out um, and plan to take it sometime in that second half of June before you have to start mm -hmm. submitting secondaries. Are you maybe drafting some secondaries and thinking through how you want to approach those? Absolutely, but mm -hmm. you do not yet have the pressure of time and getting them back within that two to three week period. Yeah. Which actually brings me to one of our upcoming topics that we want to cover, oh, yeah. which is secondary essays, how to approach them, what the timing should be. Yeah. So look for that future episode coming soon. Yeah. Well, I think that I feel good about where we have covered things for these tests. If anybody has any questions, as always, please reach out to us. We want to help you. If you're one of our listeners from another institution, please reach out to your pre-health advising office. Um, if you are at an institution or an alumni of an institution that won't that doesn't provide these services, you can, most um, of the national associations have a find an advisor service. Uh, so please utilize those. If you are a Penn State current student or alumni, we don't care if you've been out for three weeks, three months, three years, three decades, we are still here to help you. We provide full services to alumni who are on health professions journeys. Um, not all schools have the capacity to be able to do that. That is something that we have chosen to be necessary here at Penn State to provide really great service to our students. So thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. The Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office in the Everly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and advice shared during this podcast are that of the hosts and any guests only and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre health students across the university system.